The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage that I have ever tried. With so many stressors in life, it is difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients that it needs to thrive. We're all busy. We're always on the go. It's important to fill those gaps with excellent nutrition. This is where Athletic Greens can help. It is a life-changing nutritional habit. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is your nutritional essential. It is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add to your daily routine and empower towards better habits. They simplify the logistics of getting optimal nutrition in on a daily basis by giving you one thing with all of the best things. I personally have been using Athletic Greens for the last month. And what I love about it is that it gets me all of the right supplements. So I put one scoop into my smoothie and I am good to go. As many of you know, if you follow along with me on Instagram, I have this genetic mutation that 40% of the population has called MTHFR, which doesn't allow your body to absorb synthetic non-methylated B vitamins. B vitamins are so important for our health. And I love, love, love this product because it gets me the right B vitamins. One tasty scoop of a Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multi-mineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and supports a healthy functioning immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter months, they are offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. So you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. Starting 2021 with a simple, sustainable nutritional habit is Athletic Greens ML. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your basis with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash reality to join the health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, and simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash reality and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness. We're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So are you ready to recover from reality? The rebellious child is the person in the family that's often called the black sheep, the troublemaker. And they're just a symptom of this dysfunctional family family system. And a lot of times those are the people that get into the substance use disorder issues because they are in so much pain. They're super highly sensitive people and they can't tolerate being, you know, dealing with a critical parent all the time. Yeah, it's too painful. 
That was a quick clip from this week's episode with my mom, Andrea Arlington. I'm going to keep this really short. This episode is one of the best episodes that I've ever recorded. It has so many takeaways and it is going to absolutely blow your minds. So if you're interested in learning about family systems, about how to communicate, about how your family of origin affected who you are as an adult today, this episode is a must listen. One more quick announcement before we start. Um, The Life Reset course is amazing. It's with my mom and I. I hope that you'll join us. And registration is open now through the 10th. So please join us over there. We'd love to have you on our weekly coaching calls. And with that, here is this week's episode with my mom, Andrea Arlington. I'm so happy that when my mom and I did a Instagram series a few weeks ago, it got so much positive feedback. And it was such a great series that I decided to bring it to you guys here on the podcast. Yes. So here's my mom. And you guys seem to really love her. My downloads are, are quite high every time that my mom comes on the pod. So today we are going to be talking about family systems and dynamics. We are going to be talking about ego states. And we are going to be talking about how to communicate and set boundaries so that way you can live your best life. And also not offend your loved ones to the point where their defenses go up while you're setting those boundaries. Yes. Which is pretty much, you know, my mom has shared on this podcast her story And how by me setting boundaries, and back then I certainly was not perfect at them, but by me living my truth, setting boundaries and being consistent with those, I helped to illuminate areas in her life where she needed to initiate change and it inspired her to do so. So now here we are seven years later and we have a pretty freaking rocking relationship Most of the time. (laughs) After all of the chaos of our entire lives, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd just like to say about the boundary setting back then, it was a different, a little bit different kind of boundaries than we're going to be talking about today. You know, the boundaries that I typically encourage people to try to set include staying connected um, with the intention of staying connected, even while you're setting the boundaries. Now, when Alexis and I were dealing with each other back then, and she was setting boundaries with me, there was very little connection. And um, I think that it can be done differently using the tools that we're going to teach you guys. Not to say that you might have to, you know, use a boundary that might cause you to have to disconnect completely. That's okay too. But initially we want to try to stay connected because that gives the relationship a better chance of healing quickly. So on that, let's talk about that for a second because when you wake up to the fact that you're codependent, which I have a problem even with using the word codependent most of the time, but when you wake up and realize that you're in a lot of dysfunctional relationships, A lot of people will say, well, you need to detach with love. And I think you hear that even more so in the recovery community. But this is just kind of across the board of like, this person's walking all over you. So you need to 
detach with love or you need to set boundaries, which often include shutting down that relationship. And can we just go into uh, codependency for a definition real quick? Really, the definition that I'm aware of is that it's just the inability to be happy yourself when people around you aren't performing in a certain way, meeting your needs and expectations, or they themselves are not happy. So you have a hard time being happy. Would you agree that that's sort of what you're talking about here? Yeah, because I think the word codependency gets tossed around a lot. And I also think that as humans, and you know, our method is really about connection, not control, right? Like that's what Aloe House is founded on. That's what Love, Leverage, and Connection, the method my mom uses, is founded on. And what we found to be so successful is like we all inherently actually need connection. And the person who we have a codependent relationship with and ourselves, we all need connection. Both of us, all parties involved need connection. And so it's like, it's about the quality of that connection. And it's about self-accountability. And it's about being able to check in and go, is this relationship toxic because I'm trying to use it as a way to meet a need that's not being fulfilled in my life or vice versa. So let's talk about that for a second. You just mentioned, um, you know, that need for connection and how, you know, the person that we're having a codependent relationship with you know, it's not their fault that we have a codependent relationship with them. It's nobody's fault necessarily, but you're right. Spot on the unmet needs that I had as a mom, a huge void in me for love, for feeling valued, for feeling a sense of belonging. I mean, that started when I was four years old. I can Mm -hmm. remember like feeling that way. And what's so interesting is that it comes from a place of feeling like the love in your household was, was conditional. Exactly. And even though you wanted so much love from us to fill that void, your love was also in a way conditional when it, we were oh, growing it was up. extremely conditional because in order for me to have my love needs met, you had to perform for me in a way that allowed me to feel like I had purpose in life, that I had value, that you represented the best kid that me, the perfect mom, hello, um, (laughs) could have so that my image in my family of origin and my community was like respectable, which was literally ridiculous for me to even expect that. Such a joke. (laughs) Um, There was, you know, we tried to keep up with Joneses and you know, it was ridiculous. It was absurd. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad that we can have these conversations now. And my mom and my hope for all of you is that that you will have major takeaways from this podcast episode, that you will fully understand what we're talking about, and that it motivates you and inspires you to implement this work into your lives. I can't tell you guys how excited I was when I found out that my sister was getting married. We got that save the date in the mail and I was so over the moon excited for her. Joy shared is joyed multiplied with beautiful customized save the dates or invitations from Minted. You can share the news and give your loved ones a preview of what's to come. I love Minted. We always use them for our holiday cards. Not only that, but I just recently bought Evan one of his Valentine's Day gifts off of Minted. Evan loves to 
to do puzzles and I got him a custom puzzle, a picture of me and him from our holiday session last year. And I put it in a heart-shaped puzzle since he is such a puzzle guy. I also know that it is wedding season, meaning that it is time to start sending out those save the dates. With unlimited proofing rounds with a dedicated minted designer, you can make sure that every detail is just right before ordering. Envelope addressing is free and comes with free custom envelopes styled to perfectly match the design that you fall in love with. And you can add a special touch with an unmatched selection of add-ons like colored envelopes with white ink, all script addressing, or vellum overlays for luxurious trust and wax seals and ribbon for added texture and impact. See and feel the paper and print quality with a free personalized sample kit with your favorite design. Right now, you can start crafting your unique save the dates or invitations with Minted made custom for you. Enjoy 20% off your first order by going to minted.com forward slash reality. Again, enjoy 20% off your first order by going to minted.com forward slash reality. Hey everyone, listen up. I've got a fun new podcast that's called Radical Musings with me, Rosanna Arquette. It's having conversations with some of my most favorite people. Innovators, resistors, artists like Ronan Farrow. Very early in our history, we talked about people who know about government malfeasance should blow the whistle about it. What inspires them and fuels their passion. This is Radical Musings, brought to you by the fine folks at Audio Up. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. So can we start out with unmet needs? Because I think that's going to help. Sure. I mean, that's diving really into our life reset course, but sure. Okay. So, you know, uh, from my experience, those unmet needs for a sense of love and belonging were not met as a kid. And so, you know, a couple of things. I started engaging in physical relationships with older boys at a very young age and caught myself in very uncomfortable sexual situations throughout my early life, um, you know, that were traumatizing. But on the, at the same time, they were on some level, that physical connection was fulfilling that need because physical touch feels good even when it doesn't, right? Yeah. So so that unmet need was starting to be fulfilled in that way. And then those boys, you know, they came along with some really fun substances that also helped me feel like my <laughs> unmet need for love and belonging. Because like, how can you not feel like you're connected to the entire universe when you're doing psychedelics at age 12? But um, bottom line is, is that that whole unmet need thing drove me and drove my younger brother um, to use drugs and to, to connect with people who were also having the same experience of that unmet need driving them. Um, and so the behaviors and the codependent relationships, hello, talk about, you know, getting involved in relationships where there were expectations of people being you know, on your side, if you were on theirs. And oh my God, the dysfunction, especially I think in America, and I don't know how it is in the rest of the world. Um, this idea of 
of loyalty that you have to be loyal to me no matter what. Doesn't matter if I'm dysfunctional. Doesn't matter if I've been a terrible parent. Doesn't matter if I've been a terrible sister or sibling or whatever it must or be. Or government leader. You, yeah. You have to like be loyal to me no matter what. Exactly. Or you will suffer severe consequences, yeah. including the incredible painful experience of me withdrawing my love and support of you. Yes, exactly. So painful. So we all have unmet needs. That's the thing is like very few of us have perfect parents. And this is more like life reset coursework where we go through the hierarchy of needs and we look at our security and we look at our love and we look at our feelings of belonging and all of these things. And and it absolutely impacts the way that we function as adults. So I want to get into ego types because I think that it'll really make sense to people what their unmet need is and how they're operating once we look at ego types. And this also is um, family dynamics. Exactly. So usually when we do this, we have a big drawing board in front of us and we can draw this out for you guys so you can get a really clear picture of this. So we're going to do our best to explain it in a way that makes sense. There are in each of us three primary primary ego states, the parent, the adult, and the child. And they're all fully formed by about the age seven. Yes. They are a direct result of the environment that you grew up in. So the things that you heard and experienced as and saw and witnessed as children affect these different ego states. In each of these three ego states, the parent, the adult, and the child, there are subsets of different archetypes in these ego states. So in the parent... There is the super parent. Give an example of super parent. Super parent is the kind of mom that will like on your third arrest, still bail you out of jail (laughs) and not make any consequences and hire you the best attorney. Don't give a personal example. (laughs) No consequences. (laughs) I'm going to make sure you're okay because if you're not okay, I'm I'm not not okay. okay. So let's just pretend this didn't happen and we'll just sweep it under the rug. Super parent is the parent who, when you haven't done your homework for the third week in a row, instead of making you do it, takes you to Disneyland and then makes you face the consequences and asks you, well, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Super parent is the parent who goes to the principal and make, you know, it's not my child's fault, right? Super parent is the parent who cleans the mess, but it's not really cleaning. It's more sweeping it under the rug. And the reason super parent does this is to meet their own unmet needs for a sense of connection and belonging with their child. If they don't fix their child, problems, that child's not going to love me enough. And therefore my need for love and belonging is not going to be fulfilled. Exactly. So that is one part of parent, right? The second part of parent is the critical parent. Give an example, mom. My mom was definitely predominantly critical parent growing up. Why the fuck did you just do that? You should know better. I mean, Name calling, labeling, shaming, blaming, polarizing, ostracizing, judging, criticizing. It, it, it's just constant um, belittling belittling, and, and, and trying to control and fix you, not letting you be who you are authentically are, very dictatorial, no compassion, 
um, very self-centered, narcissistic. Um, and again, let's talk about narcissism again, Alexis, really quick, because you gave a really important um, mm. uh, definition of, of why people become narcissistic, which is a huge issue in a lot of people's lives. So let's just go into that for a second. Why are people narcissistic? Well, usually it's because they had a narcissistic parent. But what happens is when you have a parent that is predominantly a critical parent your entire life, especially if you have two critical parents, right? Like you're never meeting their standards. You're always behind. You're never doing good enough. You get praise, but it's only conditional. Um, so it, you get, you become super hypersensitive to how you're feeling inside mm-hmm. all the time. And if you're not feeling good, you, you're only objective every day, all day long, because you're operating out of the fight flight mechanism mm-hmm. of the brain is to get your needs met. And that turns into narcissistic personality. Yes, exactly. So, so the critical parent is full of shoulds and why don't you, and why didn't you, and yeah, how could you. Blaming, shaming, all of that. Right. So that's the second one. So we've got the super parent. We've We've got the critical parent and then we have the nurturing parent. The nurturing parent is the parent that we all wish we had, right? The nurturing parent is the balanced parent. It is the parent that, so give an example would be uh, my daughter Harper. She is having a hard time nailing a dance, a dance class. And she has a competition in a couple of weeks and she comes to me and she's crying and she's upset. And she goes, mom, I just don't think that I'm going to get this. So the super parent would go, oh, it's okay, honey, I'll fix it for you. We'll do private lessons and we'll make sure that we got it down and I'll pay whatever the price and whatever it might be. Okay. And then the critical parent is the one of like, you just have to try harder. You're not trying hard enough. Clearly you're not working as hard as the other girls. Cause if you were, then you'd have this dance down. Okay. And the nurturing parent would say something along the lines of this. Wow. I can tell how upset you are. I really understand how frustrating it is when you are trying so hard and not understanding the moves or whatever it might be. And you could say, what do you think would help you? What do you, what can we do? And, and what can we brainstorm here to, to help you remember this dance? You know, so they're nurturing, compassionate and solution focused. Yes. There you go. So before the adult forms, the child forms, right? And so what happens is we're children born into these family systems and you might have a nurturing parent, but most of us had either super parents or critical parents. And as a result, our child forms in a different way. There's different subcategories of the child too. Um, So the first child, and I relate to this child so much, and I know many of you guys will because this type of child is what I see so often as, you know, functioning adults. What's so interesting is that when you have super and critical parents, you stay in your child pretty much for the rest of your life. Or when you become a parent, you end up becoming the critical or the super parent, right? So the child, the first child that I want to talk about is the adaptive child. The adaptive child is somebody who has this sense of, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'll never have their approval. I might as well just give up. I'm just not going to be good enough. So why should I even try? Yeah. Often really needy too. They become 
codependent. I'm saying that in quotes, um, but that's the best way to describe it. Oftentimes, our codependence stems from this inner adaptive child who is really struggling to survive because their love has always been conditional, right? Because they had either a super parent, which is I'll clean up all of the messes as long as you continue to perform well. And what's interesting is that my mom actually went back and forth between super parent and critical parent often, right? So she would swoop in and save the day for us. So there was chaos at home. Then we would act out in school or wherever. And then my mom would swoop in and be super parent. And then she would get mad that the behavior would continue. And then she'd go into critical parent as if it was our fault for the continued behavior. It wasn't behavior. even just the behavior that would continue. What really troubled me, and I'm just for real saying, is that I wouldn't get the amount of love and affection that I felt I deserved. So I had an expectation that after I saved the day that these girls were just going to kiss my ass, essentially, <laughs> and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because why would we? We exactly. were going to continue to get away with the behavior. So the first thing that I did when I was a little girl was I went into my adaptive child. So my home life was really chaotic. There was sexual abuse. There was physical abuse. There was lots of alcoholism, lots of emotional abuse, lots of yelling, lots of screaming. And so I went into my adaptive child. Adaptive child is like, I have to survive. I have to survive this. And so I'm going to shut down and I'm going to be quiet and I'm just going to try to be the best little girl that I possibly can be so people stop hurting me. That's the adaptive child. And what's interesting is that the adaptive child and the rebellious child, which we're going to go into next, these children often get diagnosed with ADD really early on. The reason for that is that when you go to school as a little child and your your home life is chaotic, the adaptive child does just that. It has to adapt. And so how can you focus on schoolwork When you're constantly thinking about where's my next meal or is my mom going to pick me up drunk today from school or is my dad going to pick me up drunk today from school or are they going to be fighting when daddy gets home from work or how am I, you know, am I going to be safe in my bed tonight from my older brother who usually sexually abuses me or, you know, I mean, there's big T traumas and little T traumas. The adaptive child tries their best to survive and as a result, they often grow up to have anxiety, depression, codependent tendencies, people pleasing, people pleasing, and things like that. Pause that thought for just a second because I want to talk to you guys about Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers a plant-based nutrition that is made with high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free from fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. My favorite is the Organifi Green Juice, which is a superfood blend with a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps to reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Another favorite of mine is the Organifi Red Juice, a perfect caffeine-free afternoon pick-me-up. It's loaded with antioxidants to reduce oxidative stress on the body and give you a natural energy boost when that 3 p.m. fatigue starts to set in. 
It tastes like fruit punch, yet it only has one gram of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use simply by mixing it with water or milk for an easy on-the-go drink with no messy cleanup or hassle. Organifi doesn't compromise quality or taste. They take pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to be less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to Organifi.com forward slash reality and use code reality for 15% off any item in the store. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash reality and code reality for 15% off any item. The next archetype is the rebellious child. And you know what? I spent a lot of my adult life living from my rebellious child as well. I was definitely a critical parent and a super parent, but I would say that just as well, I was equally operating from my rebellious child. You can bounce around all the the time in this dysfunction. We all do, yeah. Our goal is to get to the adult, which is what we're going to talk about last. But as long as we're living in our dysfunction and that we haven't really done the work, we will bounce around from these different things. We'll go into adaptive child. We'll go into rebellious child. We'll go into critical parent. And we could do all of these in one day, right? Or in one conversation. (laughs) In one conversation. And and by the way, so, I mean, I catch myself still still being in my rebellious child when I start dropping F-bombs. It's like crazy how <laughs> how many F-bombs can come out of my mouth in a three-minute period yeah. of time. I That's so the rebellious that. child. I have... I have a potty mouth too. But yeah, so the rebellious child is the is the person in the family that's often called the black sheep, the troublemaker. And they're just a symptom of this dysfunctional family, family system. And a lot of times those are the people that get into the substance use disorder yes. issues because they are in so much pain. They're super highly sensitive people and they can't tolerate being, you know, dealing with a critical parent all the time. It's too painful. So I actually shifted. I I hope that this, that by sharing a little bit of our stories, you can understand the dynamic. So at home I had, you know, a super parent and I had a critical parent and, um, and they were often both of those things. And your father was a rebellious child. (laughs) And he was a rebellious child. And an adaptive child. Yes. And also both critical and super parent. He would save the day. He would get drunk and loaded. And the next day he would take me to get a tattoo when I was 14 as a way to make up for it, right? Right. There's the super parent right there. That really sums up the super parent perfectly. But so when I, in my younger years, I was definitely the adaptive child. Just be quiet, keep secrets, you know, try to survive. And then by the time I hit my preteen years, when my life with my dad got so bad, I started to be like, no, fuck you guys. Like, fuck you fuck this house. Screw you guys. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. I'm going to smoke pot. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And you guys can't tell me what to do. And the rebellious child in me is going, hell yeah, you go girl. Smoke (laughs) that weed. (laughs) Because that's what I was doing. Because she doesn't want to look because as a parent, she doesn't want to look at the chaos and her own stuff. (laughs) She just wants to... Let's just all be high and we'll just forget that any of this (laughs) is really happening. (laughs) Exactly. Where's my bong? Yes. So, well, and then her bong would go missing and then she'd go into her critical parent. Where'd you put my bong? (laughs) (laughs) I, I fucking love us. Okay. So 
there's the rebellious child, right? And we still see the rebellious child in so many adults today, Wait, right? I have to tell you something. Like, I feel like all of the anti-masker QAnon people who are like out there pro-Trump, they're they in their are. rebellious child. They sure They are, are like, And they have a huge you. need you know for love and belonging. Yes. And that's what I was going to say is like, they have the right idea in a weird way. They're just, they're like, it's almost like they're so close to like, yeah, the government is fucked up. And yeah, we do abuse children and all of these things. But then instead of actually finding solution, they went down these like rabbit holes because they're rebellious, inner rebellious child. Oh my God, here's a brain. Like my brain's exploding right now. Their inner rebellious child was set off. And instead of going into their rational adult, which is where we all want to go, they went into rebellious child. Exactly. Exactly. Fucking love it. Okay. So that was a huge epiphany for me just now. Okay. So we've got the adaptive child. We've got the rebellious child. All right. So we have the fun free child as well. And that is my favorite eco state to live out of as an adult (laughs) woman at 56. And you can do it. It's okay to be in your fun-free child. Right. You just take any dramatic situation that's going on and, you know, a part of you rationally looks at it objectively and makes decisions accordingly. But then you don't go into critical parent and beat somebody up verbally or mentally or emotionally about it. You go into your fun-free child and you invite them to playfully brainstorm what the next steps are. And you're just like... God, that really sucks, doesn't it? Like, wow, what should we do about that? You know, and go into like this playful collaborative conversation yeah. instead of like this super serious critical, like this sucks. What are you going to do to change what's going on in your life? Not in our life as a team, but so fun free child is like a team player. You're in the same dugout, looking at the field, seeing what the next best play is, getting some coaching on it. Maybe, you know, I mean, it's just, it's very solution focused and it's fun and it's playful. Yes. So the two states that we hope to get people to operate out of predominantly is the adult and the fun-free child. I'll give you a perfect example of using the fun-free child in um, a scenario with my daughter, Harper. So Harper is mad at me because I said she can't play her video game for any longer. And she is crying and she is so upset. And I've tried to explain to her until I'm blue in the face of why we can't play video games all day long. And she's really upset. Now, I'm starting to get annoyed. At this point, I'm like, you're seven years old. Like you have a, you know, I'm going through the list in my head. You've got a great life. I already let you play with this for like an hour and a half today. This is my boundary. Why is she testing my limits? I'm starting to feel a little cranky about the fact that she's throwing a tantrum. Now I can go into my critical parent and I've been guilty of that, right? I've totally been guilty in that. And if I had to make amends to my kids for going into the critical parent, right? I could go into my adult and try to rationalize with her. But at this point, I've already tried that and it didn't work. Or I could go into my friend-free child. So what does that look like? It looks like this. I went up to Harper and I start tickling her and kissing her cheek and telling her how much I love her. And literally in seconds, she starts laughing too. What the fun-free child does to the brain is actually really brilliant. 
So many of us are operating in our fight flight mechanism in our brain. It's the reptilian brain. It's the first part of the brain that actually develops. It is the savior brain. It is the reactive brain. It's it is, meant to keep us safe. It's meant to keep us safe and alive. We used to live in times where we were out in the wild and huge animals could be nearby. And so all we had to do was operate out of this part of our brain in order to survive. Now that we have evolved, we have this amazing part of our brains called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex begins to develop around age 10 and finishes developing around age 26. And what happens is for our kids especially, they don't have this prefrontal cortex developed Which is like yet. the adult in the house. It's the executive decision yes. maker. It's the solution-focused creative thinker. And many adults actually don't even have a very well-developed prefrontal cortex because it's like a muscle. You got to work it to use it. Many of us weren't actually taught how to move out of that reptilian fight or flight and bring our, our attention forward to the prefrontal cortex where we can rationalize and, and be, calm. be calm and so reasonable. It's not an emotional reaction type. I mean, like yes. the, the amygdala is always reacting emotionally. The prefrontal cortex is always uh, operating rationally and yes. uh, logically and calmly. Mm -hmm. So what and happens, very present in the moment. What happens when I start kissing Harper's face and telling her I love her is it actually pulls her out of that fight or flight because she's in fight or flight, right? Like she's freaking out. I can't play on my iPad. This sex, all the reward centers in her brain start firing off, you know. She's got a lot of adrenaline she's and got cortisol all adrenaline. running through her body. She's got all the, you know. And so for many of us, this happens when they mess up our drink at Starbucks or whatever it might be. And we instantly go into, are you fucking kidding? They messed up my drink again. And then you walk your ass into Starbucks and you throw a big tantrum to like the barista who's done 150 drinks already that morning and she accidentally messed up yours, but you find it inexcusable. You're in that reptilian part of your brain. You're in the critical parent and you're not really helping yourself because what happens and we're going to talk about this in a second, is we actually begin to get addicted to those those neurochemicals. neurochemicals like adrenaline and cortisol in our bodies and we become addicted to them and we actually go through a withdrawal period when we stop acting out. Like we literally crave the dopamine. We crave the adrenaline. A, yeah, we like crave you get the, these amazing cocktails when you're in self-righteousness and when you're angry. <laughs> I mean, it's so a freaking true. cocktail. Yes. And when you when people around you are too nice, it will actually cause you to go into uh, withdrawal and you'll you'll activate the neural pathways in your brain and start to have memories of how somebody screwed you over last night. Yeah. Just because your body's going through withdrawal and it's like, hey, hello, where's my cocktail? <laughs> and you Know, and so it activates the neural pathways. Yeah. So I start kissing Harper's face and telling her how much I love her. And what it does is it pulls her because I'm teaching her, right? That like I have to pull her out. She doesn't have that prefrontal cortex developed yet, right? That reasonable, rational, rational adult, right? Like she doesn't have that yet. So I have to pull her out. And then when she starts laughing and playing and being giggly, I can move into my nurturing parent or adult. And I can just say to her, hey, like, I get that you're really upset and... Or that you were really just upset right now. Yeah, but, but, whatever it might yeah. be. And I can have a, a reasonable conversation with her. And usually she walks away just fine after that. It's it's pretty amazing 
the ability to that the fun free child has to diffuse a situation. Yeah, whether you've got somebody being in their critical parent, their super parent, their rebellious child, if you go in with a fun free child, and another thing you could do, Alexis, when she's in that state of um, hysteria and throwing a tantrum, is you can actually get down on the floor yourself and throw a tantrum that's I've worse that than <laughs> the one she's throwing to, until she just cracks up laughing because mm-hmm. that's fun free child as well. Yep, I've done that too. And I've done that with Dakota too. And she's usually just starts laughing at me like, what are you doing, you crazy lady? (laughs) So that's the third archetype. So we had the rebellious child, the adaptive child, the fun free child. And then we have the demonic child. Right. And that's the Jeffrey Dahmers in the world. And it could be even politicians that we've got operating in the (laughs) government. They're narcissists. Um, the, they're narcissists. Psychopaths, yeah. sociopaths. Um, just, they've just had such horrific childhoods themselves yeah. that they're operating from these huge, huge voids, um, which cause them to develop that narcissistic personality or split personality. You know, a lot of disorders uh, come yeah. as a result of having just had such painful, painful relationships as a child. Yeah. And then we have the adult, right? So... We have the adult. And when I do this diagram with my mom, usually we draw like a big... Um, Just think of jolly, a Jolly Rancher, a, a huge Jolly yeah, Rancher. A huge Jolly Rancher. <laughs> and at the top is the parent, right? And the different archetypes. And then in the middle of our core is the adult. And then in our lo- the lower section is the child. So there's and three its circles. Parent is at the top, adult is in the middle, child is at the bottom. Yes. All right. And so the adult, who's the adult? The adult is the, what was the word that I used in the training that was so good? Well, they're, they're autonomous. They're, the adult is the. Professionally, they would be a CPA. Somebody who just looks <laughs> at the numbers and doesn't have a freaking panic yeah. attack. They're rational. <laughs> you know, they're rational. They're at ease. They're um, calm. They're, they're, they're like logical. A stoic. They're like very, you know, they're, they're able to, they have the ability to like zoom out and, and wouldn't we all like to operate from our adult primarily? I think we do. I don't think the vast majority of people do. I think they think they do just because they are adults, but very often I'm finding as I, you know, have moved in the last several years into my adult nurturing parent and fun free child. I notice now when I'm out of it and I notice other people who are out of it too. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So, so the adult is, is rational. And right. they live they're in balanced. the present moment. They're not like all caught up in memories and labels from the past. They're just like, this is, this is, it's a pretty much black and white thing for them though. I'll say, I'll say that they don't have a lot of color going on in there. They're just like, yeah, they're more just, I don't know, logical linear thinkers. Um, there's not of a lot, there's not a lot of excitement there. And so here's the thing, there is nothing wrong with any of these ego states. What, what happens though, is, is that let's just imagine that top circle, that P it, you operate from parent, critical parent. Most of the time, that big circle is going to go way outside the, um, the it's line of the more, Jolly Rancher. Yeah. It's, it's going to make up more than a third of gonna your being. Engulf, it's going to engulf the adult 
adult and part of the child. Mm-hmm. And there's just going to be, you, you want the reason why the critical parent takes over like that and, and that you begin to operate primarily in the critical parent, which is all the should shaming you should. That's why an don't armor. You? That's an armor. That critical parent has yeah. armored up because they feel so vulnerable in the world. And so the, the, the armor of their criticalness and their anger and their self-righteousness keeps them safe. Yeah. And going back to the chemical imbalances in the brain and and we literally become addicted to the critical parent state, right? We, by pointing the finger at everybody else, it deflects from us and our um, need to do our own work. And then also we get all of these chemicals like adrenaline and norepinephrine and dopamine and oxytocin oxytocin even even, and all of these chemicals from an unhealthy state. And so what we want to do is we want to become cognizant and aware of these different states and about and really take a thorough inventory of our lives. And this is what we do in the Life Reset course in the beginning part. This is part of that beginning part is we look, we look broadly at our life, at where our needs weren't met, about what our family relationship was like, about where we ended up as children, about where we ended up as adults as a result of where we ended up as children. And how those voids are impacting yes. every conversation, all and of the way we react, the ego state we primarily operate from. And that's why we're getting the life uh, results that we're getting, which is why so many of us like myself and Alexis benefit tremendously from doing this work. It's a full life reset. It feels so good to be on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, And even just the very beginning of a life reset, you know, even though you're unpacking some stuff that is like, whoa, I can't even believe I just realized that it's so freeing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we begin to become uh, really mindful. I think a lot of people are like, why can't I be mindful? And it's because you aren't aware of what you need to be mindful of. Yeah, you know? exactly. So we need to become aware of these different ego states so that way we can go, oh, I just entered my critical parent. And so what am I going to do about that? I'm not going to shame myself. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm simply going to make an amends to myself or to the person that I was critical of. And I'm going to move on. I'm going to try better next time. And slowly but surely, it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the more you're able to move into the nurturing parent, the adult and the fun free child. Exactly. And by the way, we interact in our own brain or in our own mind with ourselves from critical parent or super parent. Mm-hmm. These days, I'm operating a lot of the time in my own head from fun free child. I can't tell you how many times a day I laugh at how some of the things that I say or think are so hilarious, mm-hmm. you know? What happens as a result of doing this work is that you really are able to enjoy life more. And you get a, you'd get a different kind of cocktail. That's a, it's a joy cocktail, actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You detox from all of the chemicals that you were using before and uh, you start to develop new ones that feel even better. And then anytime that you move into critical parent or whatever it might be, immediately you go, ooh, that felt terrible. I don't want to do that Right, anymore. and your body yells up to your brain, quick, activate the neuropathways that feel good and get me back into my fun-free child. Yes. 
Okay, so now that you guys understand, or we hope you understand, the family system and ego states, let's move into the drama triangle. Okay, so let's talk about the drama triangle. Just imagine a triangle, and at the top, there is the word victim. And at the right-hand corner is the word persecutor. And in the left-hand corner is the word rescuer, okay? Now, the victim archetype, the victim mind state, you know, is that things are happening to us. We are powerless. We don't have any control. Um, the victim consciousness um, in, in regards to what that looks like in the parent-adult-child model would be primarily the um, adaptive, adaptive child. She would be, or they would be in the victim consciousness. Um, the critical parent is also... But when they before they get triggered, they might be feeling like a victim. And then as soon as they get triggered, they go down into that lower right hand corner, which is the persecutor, and starts to go off on whoever has triggered them or about whatever has triggered them. And so um, in the example of Starbucks, you would be going off on the barista, right? And so then the person you're in, in conversation with might go into rescuer because they're really major people pleasers, super right? Parent. Or super parent. <laughs> <laughs> or the adaptive child too can go into rescuer because they're trying to protect and save themselves from the pain of somebody being angry at them. And so you can zip around this drama triangle in your family systems that are dysfunctional. Everybody is operating from the one of those three primary ego state, um, you know, archetypes in the triangle pretty much 24-7. There is no adult. And we, we want to get people to move out of the drama triangle and into um, a healthier way of communicating, which is what our course teaches as well. So let's give some examples. So we have the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. And God, I see this so much in our practice at Allo, but just like across the board. So many oh, people, I can be, I'll be they the victim. just, they I'll just the move victim. around over and over and over again from state to state. So you be the victim. Okay. So I'm a mom and my daughter just left treatment against medical advice. And so I'm feeling like a victim because I just invested $50,000 into my daughter's, you know, treatment and she left. And now I'm getting triggered to go into my critical parent. And I'm on the phone with somebody over at the treatment center bitching them out because how could they let my daughter leave, right? And so I'm in total persecution mode. And then somebody at Aloe is going to do, or maybe I'm talking to my daughter and I'm like, I can't fucking believe you just did that again. That's the fifth time in treatment. And then she might go into rescuer and she would sound like... Well, I think, first of all, I would go into victim and I would be like, well, it's all your fault, mom. And, you know, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you guys. And I can't stay sober because, like, you guys are hindering my recovery because you're so mean to me. And, like, you've been mean to me my whole life. And now I'm just stuck here. And, you know, it's very much so, like, woe is me. I'm never going to be able to get out of this. Which might trigger the rescuer in the mom to so say. So then the mom could go. Oh, yeah. 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 God, baby, I am so sorry. And I know that treatment is hard. Look, what would you think if like, I'll buy you a new car and, and an apartment and get we'll get you, you set up and we'll get you set up. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe we'll just hire a, um like somebody to come and live with you and help you with your recovery. <laughs> right. So I'm being super parent at the same yeah. time I'm being rescuer. Yeah. And then I could go into rescuer too, you know, so I could also go, 
you know, mom, it, it's going to be okay. I'm really sorry that you took out all that, that money. And I promise, you know, I'm only going to smoke weed, mom. I won't be doing the heroin anymore. <laughs> I promise. Sorry. <laughs> no. Um, you know, that that's one example. Another example that, that, um, comes to mind is like the, the kid who's getting bad grades. It's like, they could just go, I'm just not smart enough. And like, nobody really cares to like help me. And so, you know, I'm just not going to do my homework or I'm not going to show up for myself or I'm not going to try my hardest or whatever it might be. And then my mom could go into super parent and she could go, I'll do that project with you or I'll homeschool you and we'll just, you know, I'll do the homework. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then when it doesn't work out because I'm too hungover or too high on weed to actually get the homework done, I'll go into, I'll go into persecutor and attack you for not trying. (laughs) So now that you guys understand how (laughs) these dynamics play out in conversations, we're going to teach you how to use language to move out of the drama triangle. And this is a great tool for everybody. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, if you're talking about as big of situations as we are here or not. Just navigating life in general. So many people just go from victim, persecutor, rescuer, victim, persecutor, rescuer. And so we're going to teach you guys a great tip on how to pull out of a drama triangle. If someone comes to you as say a persecutor, how do you not go into victim of their persecution? Right. And instead you um, break the transaction. Yes. You break the transaction. That's what that first parent adult child model. If you, if you can acknowledge or if you can visualize two Jolly Ranchers side by side, each of them has the PAC circle in them. And um, when critical parent is activated in one of them, it triggers the the child, the adaptive child or the rebellious child in the other. And there's a, a line that's drawn from the parent down to the child in the other Jolly Rancher. And it's that's a transactional line, right? So then to break that transaction, you want to go into fund-free child or adult. If we're going into adult, we would simply start by saying, you know, I sense by the fact that you're yelling right now that you're really angry. So instead of reacting or being defensive to the persecutor, you are going to call them out on and help them move out of their amygdala into mm-hmm. the prefrontal cortex by naming the emotion that they're feeling. Yeah. And not so you're kind of like helping them. them. You're kind of helping them to zoom out. Like our, w- awaken, our, goal, yeah. our goal is to be able to zoom out of the situation, see everything that's going on, and then make a rational choice. And sometimes we have to help people get there. So by saying, I sense by the fact that, or I'm noticing that, or, you know, help me understand, help me understand is a great one. I love that. Help me understand how you're feeling right now, because I'm sensing that there is some anger here. Yeah. Or you could even start out with, I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Could you help me understand why you're yelling right now? Yes, exactly. Or I'm wondering if you're really, really angry at me or 
I don't know. Is there something else that's really triggering you right now? Yeah. So we're trying to get into the more rational dialogue with this person, right? Yeah. And so they might go into a big F you, don't talk to me like that (laughs) because I need my chemical cocktail and you're interrupting the production of that. (laughs) In which case you could use my three C model. So the three C's is how we set boundaries. This is how we make sure that we're safe and that we're getting our needs met and that we're being in that state of adult, nurturing parent or fun-free child. And, and at the same time, we're not triggering them because of the choice yes. of, of language and the way we script this to go into defensiveness yes. or anger or attacking us. And I just want to remind everybody that I say this all the time and I'm just going to say it until everybody understands. Boundaries are things that we set to protect ourselves emotionally, physically, or otherwise. They are not to change or force other people into changing their behavior. That is manipulation. We are setting boundaries so that way we are getting our needs met. You know, if the other person decides to change, great. But we're not trying to corner them or to manipulate them into changing. Exactly. So So the three C's. Right, exactly. So the first C is for the word confirm. And what you're doing is it's it's, uh, kind of like either affirming or confirming, but you would say, you know, you have every right to be really angry right now and use that kind of language with me. So you're giving them permission to be who they are, to feel how they feel, to think what they're thinking, to act or whatever, right? Because people really do have the ability and the right to be who they are and to think and feel how they think and feel. But here's the thing about that. There are certainly going to be consequences to everybody's behavior and choices and feelings that lead to, you know, different results, right? But we still need to let them know that we acknowledge that they have the right to be who they're being and feel how they're feeling. And that causes their defensiveness to drop because we're acknowledging them. We're not fighting them. We're not attacking them. We're not persecuting them. And then the second C is for clarify. And that's when you're going to clarify how you're feeling and what you want for yourself. So let's say you're going to say, you know, you have every right to yell and scream like that when you talk to adults. And now you're going to clarify, but I don't let adults talk to me like that. And, you know, even though you're my mom, that includes you as well. The, The third C is to confirm or contract. And it might not be a written contract. It could just be a verbal agreement. But you're going to say, so you have every right to be yelling, I don't let adults talk to me like that. That's your clarification. Confirm. So, you know, I'll be hanging up the phone right now and call me back or text me when you're calm um, and we can continue this conversation. And that that's your confirm or, or your contract. Um, or you could say, you could ask, what do you think needs to happen so that you can get calm and I feel comfortable continuing this conversation? Mm. So it's it's either asking what they think, and um, and oftentimes that's a good strategy because when people feel heard, um, and when you ask them to think, that's a really good word to use. Yeah, what do, what you, do you think about that? That pulls them into their prefrontal cortex and out of the amygdala. Because if you ask them how they feel, uh-uh, they're going to be in they're that, gonna be that feeling. In, they're going to be adrenaline. They're going to yeah. be angry. They're going to so be whatever. That's exactly right. So you want to ask them what they think. Um, or you could say, you know, what I want is for you to calm down. What do you think about calling me um, back when you're calm, right? And they might go into another round of, don't you tell me how to be with you. You're my kid, you know? And then you get to say, 
there's only two more things that you do. You say, you know what? You confirm them again. You have every right to think that just because I'm your kid, you can talk to me that way. Um, and then you clarify, but I'm not available for people to talk to me like that. So I'll be leaving now. And you don't ask for a contract and you don't ask them to confirm that they're in agreement, but you leave and you say, let me know if you change your mind. Yeah. Let me give you a great example of this. It's my favorite example. I do this all the time, but this is a great example. And I think it really applies to so many people just who are married or in relationships and, you know, it really stops that drama triangle. You know what I mean? Of like, I'm uncomfortable, so I'm going to shame you. And and then you're going to react and persecute me. And you know what I mean? And then, then I'll be the victim. You know, people want to know, like, how have you had a happy marriage for the last nine years? It's like using these tools, guys. So this is how we do it. Harper's a little baby. And on the 101 freeway, Evan's going about 15 miles over the speed limit. In California, it's very normal to go 80 miles an hour on the freeway. Um, but I was a new mom and I was having some anxiety about that. And it was late at night and he was driving on the freeway going about like 80 to 82. And I said to him, would you mind go dropping the speed a little bit? I don't feel comfortable with this car ride. And he instantly brushed me off and said, you know, I've been driving since you were however old, because we're 15 years apart. You know, I've got this, right? Like he immediately went into his critical parent. He went into the-, the Or a rebellious the, child. Or a rebellious child. He just like shut me down. Like, I've got this, you know, like don't question my ability, right? Um, which I think so many men do this, you know, a lot. Because they always want to be the the knight in shining armor on the white horse. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So I said, you have every right to not listen to my request. However, I'm feeling really uncomfortable about your speed. I We have a baby in the back now. I am feeling So she's anxious. clarifying. You know, I'm clarifying now. I confirmed him. I said, you have every right. I'm clarifying my position and how I'm feeling. I'm not shooting him. I'm not telling him whatever. I'm just speaking from my feelings. And then I laid down a contract. I said, what do you think about dropping the speed to 75 while we're in the car? And if you're not able to do that, then next time I'll just drive by myself. And, you know, by doing that immediately, what he did was when I said, what do you think about dropping the speed or I'm going to have to take care of my own needs? He, all of a sudden that pulled him out of that, you know, just being a guy thing. And it, he went, oh my God, I'm making her feel unsafe. Oh my God. What so am he I went doing into right nurturing he, parent he or went adult. Into, yeah. He went into nurturing parent, right? And we all we want as women from our partners is to be cherished and heard. Yeah. And by using this kind of language, it helps the men in our life or our partners feel respected, feel respected and feel like, oh my God, I want to take care of her needs. And so he moved out of his rebellious child or critical parent, whatever he was in. And he immediately was like, you're so right. And I'll do it. And he immediately dropped down the speed and he apologized. And then we moved on. It saved, it has saved so many arguments in our marriage. Um, and the last thing that I want to say, because we do have to wrap up here is 
One of the greatest tools that we give people is something that's so simple that we rarely ever think about, and that's making appointments with people. I was just going to say that's the one thing that I would have asked you to do in the car ride before you asked him to slow down. And that would be to say something along the lines of, honey, I have a request, which is approximately very similar to asking for an appointment because you interrupt his whatever was on his mind and give him the opportunity to pay attention to us. Whereas if we just start in on somebody with, you're scaring me right now, they, it, it takes them off guard and immediately their defensive walls go up. So yeah, by saying I have a request or I'd like to have a conversation, when would it be convenient? You're making an appointment, you're clearly letting them know that you're needing their attention uh, and you're asking when would be a good time. And that's so respectful and it helps people stay out of defensiveness. Yes. So, you know, try this guys. I'd be interested to hear about your successes and to know how you're applying these tools into your life. I think that as you start becoming a compassionate witness to your daily life. And your own internal voices. And your own internal dialogue and voices, you'll start going, oh my God, I'm in my critical parent. Oh my God, I'm this. And if you need additional support, um, we really encourage you guys to join us on the Life Reset course. There are two more days after this to sign up where you can get coaching with us for the year and access to the whole course for a full year. Yeah. And the coaching is once a week, um, every week for the entire year with uh, in the group community, which is amazing. Amazing. And not only that, but I will say our community freaking rocks. So hi to all the life resetters. We freaking love you guys so much. And each week it just, it feels feels like community. It feels really good to gather and to know that there are other people who are on this path. And it's not just people who are sober, although a lot of people choose, and a lot of people end up choosing sobriety during, while they're in the course. While they're in the course. It's so cool. Like people show up on the Wednesday night call and they're like, yeah, I just got sober two days ago. Decided to quit drinking. I realized it wasn't <laughs> After supporting me. years. It, you yeah. know, I've got all of these things I want to manifest and this is hindering me from doing It's those. very cool. It's so cool. It's really neat. And we also have a private Facebook group, which is awesome because after the call, people like jump on that Facebook and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe the breakthrough I had tonight. And they start, you know, just riff, riffing on that. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So... That's that for this week, guys. It's Thank been you for real... letting me be on the show with you. Thanks it's been a for while. joining me. So if you're interested in following along with my mom on Instagram, you can at Andrea Arlington. We hope you'll join us on the Life Reset course. Um, we would love to see you and witness your incredible transformation with us over this next year. You can also join us in the Recovering From Reality Facebook group, which is such an amazing community of people. It is such an honor to have this beautiful, growing community. And as always, if you liked this episode, please do me a favor and send it to four or five people. Share it, share it, share it, because that helps me Share it with your moms. (laughs) (laughs) Make an appointment first though, guys. Yeah, that's true. All right. We love you. Bye. This week's affirmation is, Forgiveness is a gift that I choose to give to myself. I let go of resentment and embrace peace. And so it is. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 